You are listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. It's long-form, one-on-one conversations with veterans in the arts. This show is produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a platform for talented veterans to create compelling live theater and events in order to re-energize and reinvigorate American theater and live performance art. My guest this week is Josh Francis. Josh is the second stand-up comic we've had on the show. He is a um, former Marine and then turned stand-up comic. And, you know, his Instagram's great. I mean, I'm realizing, you know, and I know this makes me sound like a dinosaur, but, you know, just how important social media is to comics these days, especially young comics who are making their name out of their social media. And Josh and I had a great conversation where he really um, talked about the mechanics of being a comic in this day and age. And I thought that was really interesting. I think also um, what struck me or what my big takeaways were was the triumph of identity uh, in comedy as a veteran, that you kind of know yourself a bit better than a lot of young guys going into stand-up, or young girls for that matter, I guess. But you know, having not just you know been to a combat zone necessarily, but more just the act of having been in the military, having to forge your own identity, having adversity, having been a faceless number, I think probably factors in so that by the, so that you've kind of started to really flesh out your, your, the left and right limits of, of your identity. And that really, really helps your stand up um, because otherwise, you know, you may not have the life experience, the perspective and all that yet to really be doing uh, killer material. Obviously different people's mileage varies, but um, I thought that was a really interesting takeaway from talking with josh but uh great dude you know it's funny this was uh i actually recorded two episodes this week and um both of them had to be kind of shorter than normal um so i had to fire up my synapses and 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 try to say what i needed to say and ask what i needed to ask quickly succinctly and all that which is um not as luxurious for me as being able to to meander and uh, take the scenic route to get to questions and all that, but uh, but it was fun, and it was uh, really great to meet Josh and talk with him. And he's got a bunch of shows coming up, which he'll plug in the episode. So if you're around Arizona or Florida in the dangerously near future, uh, you have a chance to check him out. Uh, do it's he's a funny dude, and it's worth it. Okay, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director at Veterans Repertory Theater, and this is the Savage Wonder of Josh Francis. All right, Josh. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to somebody on the precipice of a huge natural disaster. So um, I feel like we're recording this for posterity. How are you, man? Yeah, what's going on? It's we're live from Hurricane Ian <laughs> right now. That's what's happening. Yeah, I like the. I is that a blind? Is that a shade behind you? That, or is that like a no? That's my green screen. That's my. 
Yeah, that's an actual green screen. That's so you can go hilarious. ahead and put whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. I was like, is that like a Florida thing of like putting that over your windows or something? But okay. So wait, you just <laughs> moved down to Florida, right? Yeah, man. I moved out. I was in um I was out in San Diego. Well, I guess not just, but I was in San Diego uh last year. I was out there for six months and then prior to that I was in Denver. And then prior to that, I was going to school at in Iowa. So I'm kind of, I kind of, I kind of move all over the place at any given moment. I might just up and leave. So why, why these places? Why, what's the, what's the attraction? What was the attraction to Denver, to San Diego and now to Florida? Uh, so I guess I'm, I'm originally I'm from Iowa. Uh, I'll just do the biography quick. I'm from Iowa. Sure. Then I, I joined, I uh, joined the Marines, was an AAV crewman, did that for four years. Uh, and that was, I was sta- stationed out in Camp Pendleton. Um, when I got out, I was like, all right, let's go back to school. Went to the University of Northern Iowa in oh, Iowa. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, then I was like, you know, I had enough of Iowa at that point. I was like, I think I've experienced all that there is to do in Iowa. So then I moved to Denver um, for a girl. Isn't that lame? There I went we go. out there for a yeah. girl. Uh yeah, and then her and I still are, we're still together. Uh, then I got a job opportunity in San Diego it, from Denver. So went from so I basically moved. I've moved like, dude, I've moved so much in the past since I've gotten out of the military. I think yeah. I moved five times. I was gonna say, I know you like you like got crazy. addicted to PCSing places, and now you just can't stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, it's my shit. That that's fucking wild. How has that worked for you for comedy? It's great. It's, I think the, I think it's, it's insanely beneficial to hop around scenes because, you know, uh, you, the one thing that, I mean, this is kind of inside baseball when it comes to stand up comedy, but like, it's, it's, it's very easy to get colloquialisms, you know, and be funny about like, you know, anybody can make a joke about being like, you know, downtown and wherever sucks. And then, but then you, you try to, you try to take that, you try to take that joke to, you know, when on the road, you go to from, you go from Iowa to, you know, to California, nobody's going to understand my joke about main yes. street in Mason city, Iowa. So it <laughs> was that getting you, good laughs though. To, was main street in Mason city, Iowa getting oh, killer mean, laughs. I, yeah. You're crushing it on that. You want, yeah. you want, yeah. You want me to murder a room, dude, put me in <laughs> Iowa and let me talk about the music man square. And, um, and yeah, it's just, it's just funny. Cause it's like, you you get better because you have to learn what works universally, which is what ultimately, which is what you need to do anyways. Because yeah. you're if you're, yeah, I mean, the goal obviously is to tour as much as possible and go everywhere. So you want to be funny universally. You don't want to be talking about you know little jokes about your hometown. So I think that it's right. good. It forces you to get a demographic feel of like who likes you and why do they like you, and then do they like you in, they like you in Denver? Do they like you in, in LA? If they like you in LA, do they like you in, you know, New York? And it's, it's fun to, it's good. I mean, it's, it's the same with, I think it's honestly the same with um, not just art or like comedy or like, you know, any type of thing like, like creative, it's just in general, it's good to do that. You know, it's good to experience other, other areas and, and get, you know, uh, you, you feel, you get a feel for how, how other people live and experience experience the world and that and that's i mean regardless of your profession it's universally beneficial well no a hundred percent i just wonder like at some point do you are you like resigned to the fact you're gonna have to go to new york or la or do you think like you get away not doing that well it's odd it's an odd it's an odd time right now um 
because it used to be those were the thing that was the right. move. You know, if right. you wanted to make if you wanted to make it, it was you go to LA, you go to New York. But now with social media, I mean, you're able to generate your own hype. You know, it's 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 really about the thing that's this social media is kind of like a, a double-edged sword for anybody pursuing a creative art form because it's like yeah, it's it's you can create your own hype, but because you can create your own hype, so can everybody else. Right. So right. it's not just about it's not just about getting viral once. It's about getting a video to go viral twice a week. It's about being relevant all the time. Because the truth of the truth of the matter is, I guess for I guess for stand up or for if you're doing like let's say you're a painter or whatever, you can have I could have 180,000 people who follow me, but it it might not translate to tales. You know, people could just follow you because they like the stuff you post online, but they're not willing to go and see a show. So then it's it's this weird balance. If you could be a great artist, you can make insane art and get thousands of views and and you know, people comment and everything, but you might not be able to sell that painting. So it's a weird time where it's like the days of moving to New York to get discovered are kind of over. But also, you can't deny the marketing aspect of being able, you know, if you want to be, you know, steel sharp and steel, we're the best comics at New York, right. we're the best comics at right. LA. So it's like, it's kind of this weird balance where it's like, ultimately, I would love to end up in New York. That's probably where I would lean. I don't want to go back to California, fuck California. Uh, but New York is definitely like, a, you know, it's, 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 it would be, it's a goal. It's a, you know, it's definitely a goal to end up out there. How do you feel? Just on, well, let me ask you this. How many shows do you do live a week? Are you getting on stage four, five, six, seven, mm. eight times a week? Oh, dude, I get up as much as I can. Um, right now, because of the hurricane, I mean, there's uh, there's nothing going on. Everything's cut, uh, shut down. But I mean, any given night, I'm getting up at least one to three times, yeah, four, some, four times if there's shows available. Where are you? Mm -hmm. Where are you in Florida? I'm in I'm in uh, Fort Lauderdale down right next to uh, people don't know where Fort Lauderdale is. It's in between like Miami and like uh, Palm Beach, kind of in the southeast area. So what are the clubs like there? Is it a big scene? Do you have a lot of clubs to go to? Yeah, in South Florida, there's a it's a hidden gem for comedy because like when I moved here, I had no clue what yeah. it was going to be. We moved here because I'm not to brag, but I'm currently living with my girlfriend's mom. And, uh, and so I, we just moved here because I lost my job in San Diego. We wanted to leave. So I was like, all right, we'll just use Florida as a layover before we go to New York. Uh, and then I got here and I was like, oh dude, there's, there's three clubs within 30 minutes of where I live that are all the improvs. And then there's, I mean, local showcases every week. There's, you know, three or four, uh, open mics a night. It's, it's like, and then there's the good, the best part about this is it's not a, it's not it's super saturated. There's not a ton of comics who are yeah. who are coming out and doing this because because it's nobody thinks to move to South Florida to do stand up. So it's so so most of the comics that are probably working there though are jobbed in, right? They're coming in because they're they got a gig to come and perform there, and there's not a lot of local guys doing sets, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's the case with most clubs anywhere, other than if you're going to a hub like Chicago or right. you know New York or L.A. But for the most part, like any major club, any improv, any like Acme or Laugh Factory or anything like that, I mean, the way that they book those things out and sell those things is based off of big names coming through. So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's, I mean, the good thing about being in a smaller scene like this is that, um, you know, everybody has opportunities to go and yeah. do like, uh, like you can, you can produce a show at the improv and it's not super crazy to try to get into. 
at, whereas like if you're in LA and you're trying to get a show at the improv, yeah. dude, you're going up against like A-list names. And it's like, right. why would they give, why would they give you the spot when there's an A-list name who can sell that thing out? Why would they, you know, have, have Joe Schmo come in? So, so it's the, good. It's a good spot. This is No, that's, that sounds incredible. And it's funny. I mean, uh, it's funny. We had, uh, you probably know Ashley Goodermuth, um, but we, we had her on a little while ago and it brought back all my fondness for standup. That was my first art form that I did literally 25 years ago and then you know the military took over um but anyway so i i but it's amazing how much the business has changed since then and i mean yeah. i was a new yorker and so like doing the clubs in the city but that dynamic the way that the whole business has changed from the marketing like you're talking about on social but i'm really interested in what your sets are like because when you're talking about like putting on your own show or going and doing a set at like the improv are these is it a showcase format where there's, you know, eight to 12 comics on the night or are you, are you opening for people and there's a middler and there's a headliner at the end? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's both. It's, it's both. Um, you know, you can put on, like, we have a show at, uh, I don't know when this has come out. This has come out. Do you know when you're going to be putting this out? Cause I'll plug Probably. it right now. Go, uh, go for it. Pl- plug it. Yeah. I think we're on in a week. I think this comes out next oh. week. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So the Dania, uh, Dania beach improv. Let me make sure I get this date right. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hear the end of it if I don't. Uh, so the Dania beach improv myself and, uh, two co-hosts of my podcast that I'm on. Um, we have a, a showcase at on the 19th in Dania beach. If you find Florida, come and check that out. Uh, Dania beach 19th. So what that is, is basically what we're doing is, uh, this format for that is it's a three person show. We have a host as well. So I guess it goes, our host will come up, do fit, like 10 to 15 minutes, then I'll go up or whoever, one of the, one of the other two comics will do 25 to 30. And then we do that. Each person does that. And so it's kind of just a rotation in which that's, that's the format that's good for local comics to be able to get in front of real people, like a real big audience. Cause yeah. that opportunity is, I mean, that between getting in front of like, that's it's it's few and far between getting a, a huge crowd like that and seeing and being able to run a long set like having because anybody can go up and i mean not anybody but t- like five minutes yeah. is kind of the standard like i've done guest spots for uh pretty big names who have come through on headlines the things and they've given me guest spots and you know i'll, I'll go in front of the the crowd and it's like 650 700 people right. and then but you're only doing five minutes right so it's a different muscle to try to be up there for longer in front of that time uh, in front of in front of that many people because it's so because every night you're going out to do an open mic and you're doing you know yeah. i don't know you're doing like five minutes to four people but then when you're up in front of 100 300 500 people it's a different ball game it's like it's it's like it's like getting, it's literally like going from like t-ball to like the major leagues and you're just like oh man i need to i really hope this works now you know a hundred percent. Absolutely. But you're talking to the guy that used to close the comic strip at two in the morning with like two drunk guys in a fireplace. Oh, it's fucking brutal. And then the one time I would get a Thursday night slot, I remember I got like a, like nine 30 slot or something on a Thursday night. I was like, Holy fuck. This is like butter, man. Who can't fucking kill here? Like, this is great. Oh yeah. But it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a hundred percent such different muscles. How many minutes do you have? How many minutes of material do you have? Is that a Uh, thing still? I mean, do people still ask about that? Okay. It's, all right. it's for sure a thing. I mean, I don't know. The truth is, is I don't know. Cause okay. I feel comfortable. I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of feature stuff and I close out local shows, which doesn't really mean 
a whole lot because it's like, you know, I can do, I I'm most comfortable like 25 to 30. If I had to do start to finish everything I wrote, I mean, I could do a lot longer, but what I think is like honed in works Mm -hmm. universally. I'm Mm -hmm. very comfortable. I bet I could probably do 40 without an issue, but it's just, I don't like, I don't trust, you know, 10 of the minutes I, I did, like 10 to 15 of those minutes, they, they work, but I'm just, I don't like it anymore. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it's kind of a constant cycle of being like, this works, but I don't like it, throw it to the side. I then keep going. So it's kind of just like this weird thing where if I had to do everything I've ever wrote, I mean, I could, I'd be fine for an hour, but it's like, do I want to do that? No, it's like, I, it's kind yeah. of like the whole, um, it's kind of being honest with yourself. So that way you're not lying to the crowd. Like I would, the last thing I would want to do is pack out a room full of like 300 people and then go up and headline and do 45 minutes. But like 10 of it, I'm just not enthusiastic about. And there's a lull and it's kind of, it's got to the point where they're kind of like, it's weird in the crowd. Cause they're like, he doesn't seem as fun as he just was. Cause I'm like very high energy, but if I'm doing my older stuff, it's, it's kind of like, Oh, here we go. It's just repeating it more than it is like performing it. You know what I'm saying? Totally. How often are you? So I'm interested in how often you write, but I'm also interested in how that works with how much you have to put out on social. Because it seems to me like if you're conceiving social all the time, that's a lot of bandwidth that's taken up from time you could be writing material, right? It's it's such an odd balance. Um, it's a very odd balance because I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a very good unique position where. I can, I pretty much can do this full time. Like I, um, I get paid enough on top of, uh, the disability that I get through the VA. So that way my, my, all of my, all of my energy, uh, is focused on, I guess, uh, generating buzz and hype and making media for, um, my social. And then also my podcast, Triple Up podcast. We, uh, I, I spend a lot of time editing clips for those things. So as far as like balancing my time, I'm in a weird position where I don't have to balance, you know, a nine to five plus shows plus social media. I know a lot of guys who struggle with doing that. It's just, uh, I think, I think it's weird writing because writing is so writing is so weird to me because I can sit and write. Like I, I don't write, I don't know if people I don't know how everybody's process is different, but like my writing, I don't know, is super conventional because I'll write, um, I'll just start journaling kind of. And I, I use a, I use a notebook. I'm a old, I don't like, I don't like typing. I think mm. the notebook makes my brain, I don't know. I'm an English major. I kind of romanticize actually like writing stuff out physically. And yeah. so I think my brain works differently. So I'll go and I'll journal and just start journaling. And then from there, I know I, I kind of do this weird thing where I'll think of an item or like a, I'll look at something in my room and I'll be like, nobody's ever once made a joke about this one thing. And then I try to spend my time working on that and thinking of, you know, what's funny about like, I don't know, headphones or what's funny about like, uh, I don't know, like a poster. And then I'll just sit there and try to think about that. And then, you know, I'll workshop it. And if nothing comes from it, nothing comes from it. But if something comes from it, then, you know, you're the guy that has a joke that nobody's ever heard before. So it's so, kind of so a you're like, you're trying to like give yourself a prompt almost of, of yeah. just like finding something. But when you say you're journaling, are you journaling? Is that your journaling or is it that you start journaling just like literally no. traditional journaling? Let me write about like myself, that. my day. Yeah. Okay. And then yep. from there you start to morph it into, okay, Hey, what's up with this? Yeah. Cause over here? Yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like stretching or like, I guess like, you know, doing like uh before yeah. you work out, you know, doing your, you know, your dynamic warmups, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like the, I start doing it, I start doing it and then I get into it and I'm like, all right, 
now that the brain is flowing, let's start hitting this up. But then also the weird thing about comedy is I could do that. I could do that for two months straight and not get a single joke, but then I could be talking to my girlfriend and she could mm-hmm. say one yep. thing and then yep. I can riff and then it's yep. just, now it's a new 10 minutes. So and, and it's because you're so, primed. It's because you primed the pump because you got uh-huh. that muscle turned on and suddenly it's like, oh yeah, you find that place to unleash it. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's odd because it's, you have to be, I think that with, uh, with anything creative and this isn't, and it sounds, I hate talking about like saying creative and art and blah, 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 but it's, it's very, you have to be on because it sounds pretentious, but you always have to be on. Like you kind of have to always be thinking like, is this something that I can use? You could, you could miss out on your best joke ever, you know? So it's like, it's this weird thing where I'm like, always like, I'm not a psychopath. I'm not like dictating conversations, just trying to like only benefit from it. But like, I'm aware when things are happening, I'll be like, sit back and be like, all right, I'm going to write that one down quick. You know? What, and and I, got, I got so many questions uh, based off just what you said, but let me start with this. For for me, um, what I loved most about stand-up and what I thought helped my process the most was going to the club early and bullshitting with the other comics and just being in oh, that yeah. room. Is, is, so is that, is that a good scene still down there and in, in Florida? And is it still a thing where comics are, coming in and vibing off each other and it's the room and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a comics comic. Um, absolutely. Kind of area. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Yeah. The, the two dudes that I do the podcast with uh, Jeff Dolezal and Matt Ross are two of the funniest dudes that I, that I know. And so when we get together and we do the podcast, it's almost like we're, we're able to generate material just yeah. from us riffing. And then yeah. we, we can, it's like a twofer. Cause it's like, we have a, we can get a good yes. great moment for the podcast. And then we can take that, and manipulate it to make it personalized for a bit. So it's like, it's kind Absolutely. of like a, it's kind of a catch all with like, I mean, I think one of the most important this, I mean, I don't know if anybody who does stand up is listening or if they, if somebody who's thinking about it, but podcasting, if you're a stand up and you don't have a podcast, you're, you're literally missing out because you can, you can get, I mean, we get, I mean, it's a comedy adjacent and you can make money off it. Yeah. I'm paying a lot of my bills through podcasting and then the, and then the clips that we make, and then on top of that, I'm getting material, which then it's, it's a machine that fuels itself. And then we're able to book shows as a podcast and, you know, we branded ourselves yeah. in a certain way. So now it's, it's like, Hey, if you're booking us, you're booking the entire show. And now we're, we're coming out and doing it as it's, it's just, it's a, it's a machine that fuels itself. So like for any, any newer comics, even if you're, I mean, even if you're a year in start doing a podcast now it you can get so much out of it it's crazy that makes so much sense it's so weird because obviously everybody and their mother's doing a podcast um yeah. nowadays but i've never but i kind of blanked on how much that helps a comic and how much it's almost monetizing what used to be really awesome informal conversations that are like the lifeblood of a stand-up's life and yes. it's like now you actually get to make them public and everybody fucking eats it up and it's good marketing. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I never really put that together. That's just well, such a bonus for how the business it, is now. It's literally it's it's I mean, it's just exactly what I was talking about earlier, too, with the, um, you know, anybody can have a anybody can go viral type thing at this given moment because, you know, it used to be gatekeepers. It used to be, yeah. you know, you, the yeah. only way you could get seen is by getting on a late night spot or getting on uh comedy central or these things like this that's the only way that you but now or, it's or like sending dude, in I the can, vhs tape 
Dude, yes, v- the number yeah. of VHS tapes <laughs> yeah. I used to send to fucking clubs. Like, oh, I hope they watch it. Oh, fucking hell. Absolutely. Yes, hell. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now it's like, dude, you don't even need that. I could set up my camera right yeah. here, put something on this green screen and go viral. And it's yeah. like, and, and then people who will see that will come to a show potentially. So it's this, it's, it's, it's a weird place to be in because it's, it's like, I, I mean, it's, it's such a, everything, I mean, everything's a double-edged sword, but this is a right. double, it's a double-edged sword because it's like, like I said, anybody can do this, but because anybody can do this, you have to be unique in a way that makes people, because who oh, can, I mean, how many times, how many times have you watched something that you really enjoy on social media and then you just keep scrolling and it's like, you don't, you know, you could watch like, I, I don't know, like you could watch somebody paint something or a cake get built or whatever or get made and then you're just instead of being like and you could watch the whole thing and be like this is a really cool video and then you're just like oh well who gives a fuck and then you keep scrolling you know and so you have to you have to be the guy that makes it different somehow and so it's it's this it's it's a uh it's a very interesting time because you can do everything yourself. So you no longer need this middleman. So it's, it's, but it's also really good for comics because I think what I always loved about stand up was how entrepreneurial it is that you're your own actor, your own writer, your own director, your own producer. But now with social, you really are like, you fucking have all these capabilities. And I feel like comics are the one artistic pursuit that's resilient enough to punch through the white noise and go, I will outlast everybody else. I know everybody's doing this shit, but I have the stamina to to make this work and to leverage it, reinvent it, come up with new ways of doing this to get the attention that we that I need. Yeah, and it's and it's it's both. A, I think it's a desperation thing more than anything because it's like and nobody wants to. Everybody, the thing that sucks is that everybody's funny, like legitimately, like yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah. every comic that's been doing it for a while. It's like, I mean, obviously not everybody, but like there's so many good comics out there that it's, it's hard to be unique. And then, and the thing that can set you apart is literally whether or not you're doing these things on social media and getting your name known. Because I have, I have friends that can just go into a room and murder, but then they have like a hundred followers and they never post on social media. And it's like, you don't need to, it's not that social media and like your follower count makes you a great comic but it makes it so people can see what you're doing and follow you and and come to shows and that's how you you know because the goal obviously the goal is obviously to to sell as many tickets to do this as a full-time job and travel the world and do you know have the best job in the world go and tell jokes for an hour each night and then get paid thousands of dollars like that's the obviously the goal so it's it's crazy to me when i have friends who are super talented but just don't post because it's like man you need to you need to be on this like it's it's the new it is it is the new like the new bread you know yeah it's it's the new thing where it's this is what you have to do how are you um how are you finding it with the translation of followers to butts and seats do you have a really good ROI? like well what's an average what's what's um do you have any idea of what other people do and what's successful for other people? And how are your numbers? Are you able to fill rooms it's, based off your social? No, you can't. Okay. That's the, that's the toughest thing is I know people who have hundreds of thousands of followers that can't fill butts in yeah. like yeah. or fill seats. And it's, and it's because it is, it's, well, the, the truth about followers is it's very, I mean, it's, it's, Every like I said, everything is a double edged sword in this thing. Because right. just because you have a certain amount of followers does not mean people are coming out to see you. So like it's superficial to be like I and also 
just because a video goes viral doesn't mean it's a great like it's like I see jokes all the time that will go viral and then I see jokes that I think are better than the jokes that are yeah. viral and they flop and it's and it's not because the joke is better than the one that flopped or whatever it's just because the so it's this weird can have as many like you know, like it's hard to fill seats anywhere but it's hard to fill seats consistently based off of your name when when nobody really knows who you are and if they do they've come out you know people like i have obviously have people who come and follow me and have come out to shows consistently but then it's like they see they're going to see the same act every night right. if they come out every night i'm doing the right. same thing so uh, a lot of a lot of filling seats is actually I mean, this is another skill that you learn trying to sell tickets is marketing. It's social media, digital marketing, not with, not with like your, not with me as a comic, but me promoting a show. So it's like being right. a show promoter is almost more important than like how funny you are. It's like anybody can be funny, dude. How can you get tickets into seats and you do that? Uh, or see, how can you turn, you know, the, the, the funny into selling tickets and you have to do that through creative, you know, like. We do a lot of social media ads and, and uh, you know, that's not even funny. It's just like, this is what we're doing. You have to figure out ways to manipulate yeah. like it because marketing, all it is is manipulation. It's figuring out how to get people to do the thing you want. In our case, right. it's how do we get people to buy tickets? And so we have different tech techniques and tactics that we use to get people to buy tickets. And we have, you know, one of the guys that I do shows with Jeff Dole, he's a, well, he's a marketing, um, he's a, he works in marketing, social media marketing. Mm -hmm. So he has a bunch of like little inside knowledge of how to sell tickets. And, and because of that, we're able to put on good shows, but it's, it's like, if I didn't have him or if I didn't, if I didn't through trial and error, do a bunch of things. I mean, I've seen people who put on shows that are great comics and only get five people to come out. And, yeah, but I've also yeah. seen, I've seen people who are bad comics fill out an entire room. So it's like, it's, there's, it's literally, I mean, local comedy at any given moment is it, it's kind of like a local comedy when it's it, it's just such a crazy thing because it's like you might come out one night and you see seventy people in a room and you're like this is going to be a great show and then right. the next week you go to that same show and there's four people yeah. so it's like yeah. th there's no consistency there's no baseline. Let's. I want to make sure we cover you. Um, let's start yeah. at the beginning. So were you the class clown or were you the kid that was admiring the class clowns? Uh, I think I was, I mean, I definitely was, yeah, I got in trouble a lot in school for, you know, messing around and stuff. I wasn't, here's the thing is I never really realized this was something I wanted to pursue heavily. Like I, I, I guess growing up, uh, I think the reason that I have the sense of humor I do is because of my father, my dad's, my dad is just like, I mean, he would, he, I feel like he unintentionally crafted the perfect environment to make like a stand-up comic like my dad and my brother and i like my brother's like the funniest dude i know he doesn't do stand-up but he's like he my dad would make us watch like south park and Chappelle show and like we would watch like all of these shows growing up like on adult swim and comedy central like when i'm i'm talking like i'm in like second and third grade and i'm sitting here and consuming all of this stuff that i didn't even understand what was funny about it but i started doing that at a young age with him and then by the time i was 18 i had uh i was getting ready to i mean i was already enlisted i i enlisted on my 18th birthday or like the day after to join the marines but then i didn't leave until november so i was getting um when i was i think like 
four months away from uh, going to boot camp, mm-hmm. I went to an open, I went to one of the only open mics in Iowa and I was only 18. So they didn't let me in until I was 21. And so I tried to do it when I was 18, but I couldn't. So then I was like, whatever, you know, like, who cares? I was kind of like, who cares? I'll, I'm going to join the military anyway. So then I didn't get back to doing it until 24, which is six years later, which makes me, I, I mean, I think back to that and I get pissed because I'm like, damn, dude, I could have been doing this for, you know, I could have been doing this six years. I could have started when I was That's 18 by now. Wild. Would you have, would that have been the career then? Would you have like not gone to college and started diving right into stand up if you could have? I don't know because, you know, it's, if I would have been doing that, it would have been my entire military experience would have been different. Everything would have been different right. because it would have been like, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say because the thing that really got me back interested in stand up um, was when I was right before I got out uh, of the military. My unit, we had just done like two, we had just done a UDP and then all of my friends got out and I was the only, I was one of the only waves of like NCOs that like there, I think other than people who re-enlisted, which was like four people, I was one of the only people who had been with that company for uh, two UDPs. So I was one of the only people that was still like knowledgeable in the MOS that was on the line um, with AAVs. But then because of that, they were getting ready to start preparing for another, uh, another, um, workup to go on like a me or something. And I just went to the company office. They were like, we can't, there's no point in having you on the line. Cause I'm not going to deploy with the, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a part of the deployment. So just, they just put me in the, in the office and I would do like logistics stuff there. Well, when I was doing that, my, uh, my CEO, my commanding officer, he got like my company commander was, really cool and he got him and I got really close and he would uh he would make me go out and bef- in, in the before briefs he would be like all right it's fucking corporal francis's joke and then I'd have to come up and say a one liner that I wrote and it was just kind of like a thing because I had mentioned to him that I wanted to do stand up and then what he ended up doing was being like you're gonna you're gonna have to like he made me do it basically that's you get what I'm saying wild that's yeah. wild that's really that's really cool why do what triggered you to think you were going to do stand up what was the moment that you were like, Hey, when I get out, that's going to be my path. There wasn't really, I, uh, okay. there really wasn't one me, me, of me being like, it was more of like, um, I was doing freelance. So I was freelancing, uh, when I was in college, I was freelance. Right. So this is a whole weird story, but my friend Jacob Aaron and, uh, was making, he, he, maybe I shouldn't, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. He runs a meme page. You I'm can always, you can always take it back if you want. It's fine. No, he runs a meme page. I won't say what meme page. He runs a pretty big meme page and, um, and he was working with a couple companies and doing mm. like memes, memes for them. Right. Well, mm-hmm. then he, uh, they offered uh, vet TV contacted him and asked uh, him if, uh, if they, if he wanted to do a project with them, he said yes, because he was making memes for them. So that's how they contacted with him. Well, then they needed an extra person. So then he contacted me and was like, Hey, you were really funny while you were in the military. Do you want to help me do this? Like with these, like this one project. So I started working with vet TV when I was in college still. And I started doing freelance stuff. And then when I started thinking in comedy, like kind of like, you know, I was always, I was always funny. So then I started trying to translate it to writing and doing like, you know, script writing, blah, blah, blah. Well, then from there, I just was like, you know what? I'm already doing it. Let's just go out and do the do the open mics. And I started doing comedy, like stand up. Then and mm-hmm. then, um, and then that's when after I uh, after I started doing that, I um, 
started doing the open mics, whatever. Then I got offered a full-time position at Bet TV, and then I was a writer there. So I wrote for them for, I think if you include the freelance stuff, I was with them for like two and a half years, something like that. And how'd you like it? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, what yeah, was yeah. it like to be in the writer's room? What was it like to suddenly be working as a professional in it's, it's, the TV yeah. and film industry? Yeah, you can leave that last part and that's funny to me. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it was, it's a different, it's a different muscle. You know, it's just like anything else because it's yeah. now it's, it, I think, honestly, I think if you're funny, if you're naturally funny and you're able to do comedy in any sense, writing comedy is almost the easiest thing you can do when it comes to like script writing. Cause it's so simple cause you create your own world. So it's no longer, it's no longer, Oh, this, like you never, you, you can make anything happen. You get what I'm saying? Like it doesn't have to be organic mm-hmm. or authentic. You can be, you know, it's a comedy. You can have some guy do something crazy just, just because it's a comedy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like, if I came in and I was telling a story about like a guy siphoning gas or something, people in the audience could be like, was he really siphoning gas? Right, Why right, was right. he siphoning? Sure. But if you just if you just cut to a scene where a guy's siphoning gas, you don't need an explanation. You don't need anything. You can just make the scenario funny. So it's like this weird thing where it's like you don't need a ton of setup if you're just doing and if you do need the setup, you can justify it in and however you want, because it's your world, because you're creating it. Whereas stand up there is kind of there's kind of unwritten rules and unwritten thing because if somebody can smell that a story's bullshit right, you know when you're on right. stage it's not going to do well but it, as far as like i mean any any movie that's comedy for the sake of comedy like that one movie like mr bean whatever his name is right. the actual guy ron Atkinson, yeah great example yes that guy's hilarious and it's like great thing you just put a movie out about him trying to like kill a bee for like 17 episodes or some crazy shit and it's like he can do that because it's his world nobody's gonna be like that would never happen and if they do it's like shut the fuck up it's a comedy who cares if it would never happen it's supposed to make you laugh you idiot and so it's this whole it's kind of like a. I think it's almost like a nice i i i like i liked comedy writing in the sense that it was kind of like I got to, I mean, as far as when it was me making a project, I was the one in control of it and I was being able to create my own world. Now, whether or not that got greenlit and put on screen is a different thing. That becomes then political right. about whatever the logistics of filming and how, how much is it going to cost to budget and you know produce it, blah, 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 which I don't like doing that stuff because even now it's like I have tons of ideas for sketches and it's like, all right, I have these ideas, but it's like, I don't have I don't have a camera that shoots in 4K. Right. I don't have right. I don't have great sound equipment. I don't have actors. I don't have location. So it's like it's like this weird thing where it's like if you're able to if you're able to do it and produce it, it's such a it's such a cool feeling start to finish to be like I'm super proud of this one yeah. thing that I've yeah. made. But the the on the flip side of it is everything costs money. And so it's like it's if you want it done well and if you're I'm like I'm a perfectionist and when I see like one thing that's wrong, I'll be like, motherfucker, I have to reshoot this, I have to refilm. So it's, it's kind of like this thing where it's like, if you can do it and you're able to do it, it, to me, it's one of the best feelings, but also on the flip side is to, to be able to do all of that. It's just, you have to logistically have, you have to, as important as the script itself is somebody being able to make things happen behind the scenes. A hundred percent. And TV and film is a bitch that way. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, just the, the amount of work that you have to put into it. 
theater can be a bitch too, but it's less so. And, and that's kind of nice, but I'm biased. Um, so would you consider working again in TV and film? Would you write for somebody else? Or at this point, are you like, dude, I want to work for myself. I'm not into fucking being a hired gun for somebody else. So it's kind of a double, it's God, I keep saying that, but I, I guess, yes, I would, I would do it, but I don't want to do it. It's yeah. kind of more like a, it's kind of more like it would give me, depending on the opportunity, obviously, right. if, if a big company reached out and was like, we need, cause right. I'll still do free. I'll still freelance stuff once in a while, you know, commercials, things like that. Anything that mm-hmm. I can do for just extra money. But as far as like being scheduled in a nine to five, come in every day and do this and then it's like i'm dog shit tired by the end of the night and i don't want to go out and do mics and stuff it's like i wouldn't want i don't want necessarily i don't necessarily want that uh i do i do like to i would like i mean i like freelancing and and producing things independently but of course if a big company reached out you know if south park was like coming right for us i'd drool and i would come i would be like of course dude i'm gonna fucking yeah, yeah let, let's actually go back to this. So you talked about your dad raising you in this like perfect comedy environment, comedy inducing environment. What did that mean for you then in high school? I mean, we're because when you're starting to think about your future and you're going, hey, am I going to go to college or am I going to go to the Marines and all that? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a pretty significant, maybe not a 180, but it's a pretty significant fucking left turn to then go into the military. Yeah. So what was the thought process there? Uh, well, my father, I mean, I just have, I mean, everybody in my family was in the military. My dad was in the Marines. His grandpa was like a CB in world war two. And then the guy, his great grandpa was like, I mean, I have generations of military. So it was kind of just expected for me okay. to go in the Marines. Wow. Um, yeah. and, and so I did that, but I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, I don't think that the in reality, I think that the military was kind of the best, I mean, nothing hones in your ability to laugh at a fucked up situation like being in the Marine Corps or like being in any military branch, you know? Cause it's like you deal with shit that nobody, nobody can prepare you for mentally. Like you can get told this is what's going to happen, but until you're, you know, you're on your third day of doing patrol ops and it's, and you've slept for four hours and it's starting to rain and you're just walking miserably while you're falling asleep. Like until somebody and can like until you've done that, nobody can make you prepared for that. And so once you're yeah. doing that shit, you're able to just look at your friend and be like, "What the fuck, dude?" And then yeah. both of you die. And it's like you you really get to hone in on being like, "Yeah, this is bad, but I can make it better by saying a joke. I can make it better by it's almost like a necessity. It's almost like a right. desperation thing where it's like you need some type of outlet to 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 break from, you know." how fucking shitty it is. So you get funny. Everybody's funny in the military, dude. Every single person I know from the military, if they're not a total dickhead, they're funny. No, I think there is something to that. And the gallows humor and all that and the coping Mm -hmm. mechanism. Absolutely. I also wonder though, if the military, especially when it's not a career can teach you so much about like, it can motivate you so much to do what the fuck you want to do. Cause you're like, Hey, I did my suck time. The rest of the mm-hmm. shit's for me. I'm doing right. And there's like, and it really sparks that entrepreneurial spirit. If people don't make it a career. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. It makes me, it, it gave me, I mean, as corny as it is. I also think it just, side note, it makes it for you, it makes you, 
it makes you grow up and mature really fast, which is good for, I think it's good for stand up specifically, because if I was 18, if I had started pursuing it when I was 18, I wouldn't yeah. have been able to, I would have been talking about like, you guys know when you're in high school, but now as an, as like a 20, oh, when you're 22 getting yeah. out of the military, you've experienced more than people who are like 35, you know, you can talk about shit that's real at an early age. So I think that's great. Um, but then on top of that, like it does make you become your own boss in a sense. Cause it's like, nobody's going to make you when you're in the military, it's like, nobody's going to hold your hand while you get up and shave at 4am before you go on this, you go on this field up. Nobody's going to make you like, make you make sure you have breakfast before doing all going to work all day. Like nobody's going to do these things for you. You have to take initiative and start doing and being accountable for yourself at such an early age. And I mean, I mean, they do make you do it in a sense because it's like if you don't, you're just going to get fucked up for not right. doing the things. Right. But it, it, it instills discipline in you that translates so well when it comes to like if, if I have a bad if I have like a I could I could bomb like every show I go on this tonight and then mm-hmm. go and I'd still come home and be like, well, at least I'm not trying to fall asleep in the rain when it's, right. you know, I'm in right. a hole like. Right. <laughs> right. No, but uh, but I think there's a lot to that. I think, and especially it's funny because we're talking about like being 18 and going into stand-up or the potential of going into stand-up at that age. It's like, dude, you don't always know yourself then. And you might be funny, but it's like, I I remember, I don't think this is name dropping too much, but whatever. I I think it's a relevant story. When I was first trying to get past at the comic strip in New York, um, Lucian Hold, who was the gatekeeper at that time and who, I don't know, a lot of stories about him. Um, Interesting, interesting dude. He's dead now. Um, but at the time, he uh, he had this very almost, I don't know, very uptight way of speaking. Um, but he he, I remember he said to me, he said, Christopher, he said, you, that's how he talked. He was like very professorial. And he was like, you're a young white man. He's like, if I'm going to let you on my stage, he's like, I've, I, he said something like, I have 110 comics that I let on this stage. If you're going to be one of them, he said, I have 110 comics, like 84 of them are young white men. If you're going to take one of those spots, if you're going to be the 85th, you have to show me why you're different from all the other 84. And I was like, I have no fucking idea how I'm different. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is funny. I think that's funny. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, and now looking back at it, I get it. And at the time I was like so desperate to try to find out what would be different. And I wish I'd, I mean, it was the nineties. So there was, wasn't a war going on, but I, you know, I was like, man, if I'd had the experiences I had later in life beforehand, yeah. I'd have been so much richer of a performer. And, do you feel that? And do you feel that not just for your material or the potential of material, but also just for yourself, your stage presence, your attitude, yeah. all the rest of it? Dude, absolutely. Everything, everything you just said, it's, it, it, it it's, it's, Cause it's one of those things when he was telling you that I guarantee at the moment you were pissed. You were like, what the fuck does that mean? Cause as a performer, you're like, I'm unique. What the fuck right, do you mean? Right. How am sure. I different? Sure. Because I've had stuff like that. I I've been in those situations, but then when you, when you really sit in, when you sit back and you look at it, it there is, it makes sense. And being in the military does set you apart because co- like, you know, like confidence alone, I can, I, whether there's, four people or you know 700 people i'm able to perform under pressure because it's just talking you know no nothing bad's gonna happen i was in i was an aav crewman dude i used to i used to be in a commander of a vehicle that had 25 people in the back of it that would drop into the ocean and they fucking sink 
Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. That's that's infinitely scarier. That's infinitely scarier than me having a bad set. Yeah. So it's like yeah. I as as much as I care about stand up and, and putting my all into it, if I have a bad set, nobody fucking dies. So right. at the end of the day, right. there's it's not it's it's as much as it means to me, it's not life or death. And so it kind of puts things into perspective, but at the same time, it gives you a, and then on top of, I mean, at the same time, it also builds, it builds you into a, uh, it molds you into a, a, a potentially anything you want to be like as a performer, I know now I have an entire background that people are interested in. Everybody likes, dude, especially in America, we're a military culture. Everybody loves the military. Uh, for the most part, you know, there's people who don't, right. but anybody you're unique in this. It, it gives me a uniqueness. I can talk yeah. about the military and then I can talk about, you know, things about me. I can, can like, what I'd like to do is I like to contradict. Like, it's, it's funny that I was in this thing because now I'm so opposite of how I used to be, what I did yeah. do. And then this is, and it's, so it's a fun balancing act because you get, you, you realize how, you know, um, people have expectations for the military and what it, they think it means. And then when you go up there and you tell a story about it and you can make it funny, it makes you, it sets you apart so much because it's like, I'm not just going up there talking. And then my act isn't themed around the military. Right. I do right. have, I have, I have military <clears throat> fits, of course, because it's part of my life. But they're like, I was clapping for me. And then, you know, but I am able to be like all, right. halfway through my set, I start talking about being in the military. A lot of times the reaction is like, oh, this guy wasn't like, you You don't expect right. it, which then right. makes me stand out because it's like, I didn't even, I didn't even think that this could be. And then you start talking about, you know, I, I have jokes about whatever, like my job or like, you know, whatever the joke is. I have, I, I do a bunch of material about the military and it's like, this is a unique perspective. This is something that they've not heard before. This isn't me going up yeah, there and being like yeah. Tinder's, you know, dating. Yeah, yeah, Tinder's yeah, yeah, weird. yeah. It's it's me talking about real things, being like it's weird to leave for the military when you're 18, and then talking about what that experience was in a funny way, you know, because it's like that's that's it's both real and it's educational and it's funny, and so it's everything yeah. that I and you know, and it's me, and so if I didn't have the military, like I think. As much as I used to joke about being like, fuck the military, dude, this is a fucking, I hate this, this is gay. As much as I used to say all of that, once, now that I look yeah. back at it, it was yeah. the, it was, it truly was like the best decision I've ever made because it set me up for so, so much success, both, both in the military and like financially doing, being able to get all these resources and then getting out and then being able to use the disciplines and everything that I, I've learned. It, it sets you up. It yeah. sets you up and yeah. people complain about it so much. And it's like, dude, this is the, when you look back, you get, if you join the military, you have the opportunity. You're already, by the time you get out, you're so much more prepared than anybody else at mm-hmm. that age. Like mm-hmm. if you compare a 22 year old who just got out of the, out of like the army to, to somebody who's graduating college, I'm taking the person who just got out of the army to be more disciplined, more reliable, you know, like, and more self-starting everything i'm gonna choose that as long as there's not ship obviously yeah as long as they're not decompressing yeah, yeah yeah right right, right. of yeah. course of course but if you're on a trajectory of a positive yeah you're you can go to school for free you can get paid while you're going to school you can work a job while getting paid to go to school or money you can invest that money you can then buy a house use the va home you can get health insurance you don't have to be you can have all of these opportunities that the military has provided for you and you take advantage of them and you set yourself up for success. 
And then there's people who, who don't do any of that. And it's wild to me because it's like, bro, pay go to school. Do you understand how crazy that concept is? People go hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to, to learn what you're learning and you're getting paid to learn. It's wild when you people to me don't, and I get it because, you know, not everybody wants to go to college, but you can take advantage of the trade schools. You can take advantage of any of the opportunity. There's so many things yep. that the military yep. offers you once you get out that it's, it's, it's absurd almost. Have, do you get advice more often to talk more about the military or less about the military? Does, that, does anybody ever come up? Cause and here's where, here's where I'm, here's where I'm coming from when I asked that yeah. my, my agent again, 20, 25 years ago, uh, the, the theory going at that time was you're, you have to have your five minutes set your five minute letterman set ready. And it basically needs to be a pitch for your sitcom. So she's like, whatever it is that's unique about you. So if you're Korean, better be a bunch of shit about being raised by Korean parents. If you're gay, you're this, if you're this, you're that, whatever the fuck it is that's unique on your baseball card, that needs to be front loaded because you got to get the sitcom based off that. Is that still the thing? And do you, and if so, are you like the Marine comic now? And that's like a thing you got to be. So it's no, so it's, it's a weird, this is again, a weird balancing act because everything that you just said, I think maybe not, it's maybe not as unwritten as a rule as it used to be, because you do have freedom and leverage to do whatever you want to do because you are, but I still think when it comes to like your voice and finding your voice, your comedic voice, I think talking about your uniqueness is the most important do I lean in the military thing, but I don't lean into it a ton, but I lean more into like military. Like I am from the Midwest. I talk a lot about being from Iowa and like what that means and how that affects me now. And so I do think that I kind of, I, nobody's ever came up to me and been like, you need to talk less about the military. You need to talk more about the military. Cause I kind of think I find a nice balance of mm. this is I'm from Iowa. This is what that's like. I also was in the military. That's why I am the way I am. I'm a combination of this Midwest nice, but like this degenerate type thing. And it kind of is like a fun little, and then I talk about, I personalize, I mean, I, I've, I've learned to personalize as much as I can. Obviously, you know, the truth is always the funniest thing is what they mm. say. And so it's, it's, I try to not, I try to not lean into it. Like, cause I, I think all the time, if I just put on a, if I put on a uniform right now and, and I like put on like my cami blouse or whatever, I could make a fucking TikTok and get 2 million views. I could do that. I know I, mm, I could mm-hmm. lean into the military fully. I can, the military guy, I'm the Marine comic, but I don't want to be known as yeah. that. I don't want to be yeah. the guy that I don't want to be the Marine comic. I want to be the comic who was a Marine, you know? Um, and so, but what I do have, this is, Another thing that happens though, when it comes to people talking to me about the military is I fucking hate dudes will come up to me and I don't understand this about veterans. Veterans are either really cool and your best friends, or they're these guys who try to check you for no yeah, fucking reason. Yeah, I'll have dudes, yeah. I'll have dudes come up to me after shows and be like, you were in the Marines. Well, fucking, what was your MOS? Yeah, and they'll be like, I was yeah. like an AAV crewman. And they're like, oh, fucking Pogue. You put like what you didn't fucking, you weren't a grunt. You pussy. You just go to Afghanistan. It's like, dude, that's, that's not, I didn't mention, I was, I'm not yeah. trying to big dick you. I'm just yeah. trying to yeah. talk about me. It's, it's awesome that you, I love talking to veterans after shows. I'll get for every veteran that I get that comes up to me. I probably get like five veterans who will come up to me after shows and be really cool and be like, this is great. I love that. I love that seeing some, one of us succeed. I, I get that a lot. I then have, but then for everyone, every five of those, I'll get one guy who comes up and it's like, 
You think you're fucking tough because you can talk about the military? What are you like? You would think that it would, and I'm not saying blindly support veterans, but like if you're a veteran, why would you not want to see a veteran succeed in anything? It doesn't even matter if it's comedy. If if I'm a real estate agent and I'm fucking, I mean, I'm a veteran, you would want the real estate agent who's a veteran to succeed. You would assume. Anytime a veteran sticks their head above the crowd, I think it goes against military culture. And there's some like passive aggressive gene that comes to the forefront where people are like, who the fuck are you to talk about that? Like, and because it's stand up and you're on stage, even though you're not glorifying it, you're not wrapping yourself on the flag, you're not like trying to make, build yourself up off it. It's right. just like, well, fuck you for talking. Like, there is, it's so fucking weird and perverse. And I agree with you. It's one of those yeah. things that's like, dude, I get it. You do, you don't, you need to be part of a team and not an individual in the military. Outside of the military, hey, man, are they going to pay you? You know, you pay me to shut up, then what the fuck? I'm going to talk about what I need to talk about and do my thing. It's, it's so, it's the dumbest thing to me because it's not like I'm up here being like, like there's, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it and there's a way to not do it. And I've seen people do it the way to not do it. I've seen people go up. So I was in the Marines. They sit there, they allow claps to come in. I'm a hero. And then that's supposed to be a punch. That's supposed to be a tag. And then they'll be like, I'm just kidding. I did this. And then it was like, and then they just talk. There's ways to do it. If you do it that way, I agree. You, you, you suck. If you're attention seeking based off of that, if you're not saying, if you're saying I'm in the military, I was in the military and I'm awesome because of it. I agree. That sucks. That stinks. Right. That's annoying up there and be braggadocious about it. But if you're going up there and bringing something real and raw and saying, hey, this is my experience, how can anybody come up to you? I just don't understand the thought process of being like, like, I get it if you're, okay, I get it. I think there's a difference. I get it if you're busting balls too. I get it if a guy comes yeah, up yeah, to yeah, me and yeah, it's right. like, ah, right. Sick. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that yeah. you were in the Marines. I was yeah. a ranger though, you pussy. Like, that's yeah, funny. Right. But, to, to be, but to be up there and being like, I remember this one dude came up to me after a show who had a tattoo on his head. He had a, he had a whole head tattoo and a throat tattoo. And then he had like all these like military, like Oh three thirty one tattooed on his fingers. Like he was a machine yeah, gunner. Yeah. And he came up to me and was like, he came up to me after a show. This is in Denver. And he goes, my friends died in Iraq and you're up here making fucking jokes about the military. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not even insulting the military. Nothing I say yeah. Yeah. is insulting yeah. the military i'm talking about my experience and what it's like to to go from that to you know i have a whole section where i talk about from going how crazy it is to go from the military to then college and how the contradiction is like wild i talk about that i never once but you like you know that's yeah but you anything. know you know that's not even about you that's him of with course, a couple drinks of in course. him wanting to remember his buddies and now you brought that back up because now he's seeing, you know, a Marine up there and it's like, oh, shit, that's so on him. Yeah, it's a it's a fucking weird thing, man. And I can and it's, it is different because it's not like you painted a painting and you're at an art gallery and somebody's coming in like, you know, in kind of this dignified, rarefied air, you know, examining and going, oh, that's interesting. The painter was a Marine. You're in a comedy club where people are drinking. There's a little bit of ego yeah. in the crowd anyway. Yeah. You know, it's it's a different vibe. So yeah, that's a that's a very fucking. I can imagine that there's some weird juju running into out there, and it and it and it's like because then it puts you in a and it puts me in a weird position because it's like what do I say? Like right. Hey, right. it's like hey man, I'm sorry that you're. Fr- I have friends who have also died while serving. I don't know. Like right. we share we share more in common than what you're trying to right. you're trying to separate this. 
You're trying to yeah. create this tension where there doesn't need to be. We should be friends. We yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't try to check me. It's the narcissism of small differences. Yeah, that's right. Dude, yeah, that's hundred percent what it is. And it just, it's crazy the amount of times, cause it's not a one-time occurrence. It's every time. And it's so funny. Cause like, I, like I've done, like I've had, uh, I've posted videos like from podcast clips of like when I'm talking about things that happened in the military and people will comment like this fucking faggot was never in the military. I'm like, what the fuck dude? Like, what did I even do to, it's like, it's such a crazy thing to just comment and be like, cause it's like, it's, first of all, it's insane to think that I'm just <laughs> making everything up that I'm saying, but then I'm also talking about yeah. something that think people are vouching like oh i remember this i remember that blah 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 right. but then some guy is just like this fucking pussy was never what a fucking stolen valor cunt and it's like but, dude well but but it, but the funny thing is like it doesn't even matter like it's like right because because right. you, you could be like like you know um uh, you know they're guys that you and i would probably both know from military social and all that military instagram you know who are out there who have done fucking everything that the military could possibly throw at them Delta, SF, blah, blah, right, blah, yeah, million yeah, combat yeah. things. And people are like, fuck you, shut the fuck up and sit down acting like you're all that. Like, like I know, I'm, I'm sorry I'm not a Superman like you. And it's like, okay, so you don't want the guy that, you know, did yeah. his four years and got out. You don't want the guy that did 20 years and did everything. What, what do you fucking want? You just want to hate. It's just wanting to hate yeah, for the hate sake. It's just, it's, you know? yeah, and it's, and it's so... And I feel it's such an embarrassing and I think it's cringy thing to say. Like I just, I, but when people talk about like, like the term hater, I never understood like yeah. the hater yeah. until I started performing. And I still, I started like doing stuff and getting traction on social media because for it, it's wild how people will go out of their way just to be <laughs> negative for no reason. It's like, you gain nothing from doing this. You gain nothing. All you did was, you were just mean. You were just mean to me, dude. I didn't do anything. Like, fuck, dude. I have feelings. Hey, so let me let me ask you a, a difficult question. I say it's difficult because I have no fucking idea how I would have answered this when I was, uh, from what I remember when I was doing stand up. What are you bad at? What are you working on? What are you? Where are you weak? What do you need to get better at? Yeah, I need to get better at crowd work stuff because uh, I think that that's. I think. I guess I don't know. I'm kind of like I don't know if it's like an old school thought mentality. I'm sure this. I'm sure crowd work has been around since fucking stand up has been around. Sure. But like, but I kind of have a tendency to go out. I go out. I address something. You know, I do like the stuff that you're supposed to. Do. I go out like, hey, what's going on? Wherever, whatever city I'm yeah. in. Hey, yeah. how's it going, New Orleans? It's nice to be here. It's good that your city smells like piss. You know, I say something. I riff about the city. Something quick enough to make them know, like, hey, I'm there with you. I'm not just like coming out here doing this. But then after that, I kind of just go into my act like it's not choppy it's not uncomfortable but i do spend a lot of time in my act and now with social media the reason i say crowd work is because social media i don't like burning jokes not that anybody's gonna yes. be like not that anybody's gonna yeah. see my not that anybody's gonna see my 30 second joke and then see me live and be like i've seen that <laughs> before but like i just don't like the idea of putting material out that's material but because i have friends anything i want to post is either a podcast or like I've done a couple of my actual bits, but I just, I have friends who go viral all the time by, I mean, crowd work. It's, and it's crazy how consumable people or how much people are consuming yeah. crowd work clips. Yeah. Cause to me, it's just kind of stupid. It, like my opinion right. on it is I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid that people love it, how much they love it. Cause it's literally like a comic will be like, Oh, what's going on? How long have you guys been married? And somebody be like 18 years. And somebody's like 18. And then the comic will just repeat right. it back right. 18 years. Did she buy you that shirt? And then it zooms in on the guy's shirt. And then that's right. the clip. And it's right. like, 
how is how does this have five right. million views and people are crying laughing at it? It's like I just personally I just don't get how it's super. But I don't really do any of that type of stuff. I yeah. kind of am like my kind of my kind of thought process on it is I can take a joke. I can take a joke room to room. You know, I can yeah. any yep. if this yep. joke works and it I mm-hmm. can do that every single room. I can't always recapture the moment of crowd work. So it's kind of like totally. I do it. I do it. I make a point to do it, but it's like I'm not I'm not I none of my bits involve me asking anything or talking to anybody. It's just this is yep. what I'm saying. And I don't necessarily know if it's a bad thing. But I do think it's taking away an opportunity to have uh, just to do a different type of style sure. for social media, I guess. Do you host often? Do you MC often, or are you usually I've, just doing? I've a done set? it enough. I've done it enough. Yeah. Um, I've 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 hosted plenty. I don't like I don't like MC, and nobody likes. Well, because well, because that's why I'm wondering where the crowd work could fit in. Like the great MCs that I've seen, like were great on their crowd work. You know, of course. Um, and, yeah. So that's. That is kind of like a, uh, I mean, that's kind of one of those things that, you know, you, uh, a lot of, a lot of MCs, that's kind of what they teach you to do. Get the crowd right, involved. Right, I, right. Well, it's, it's again, they don't even necessarily do that. Cause other comics will be like, Hey, the headliners will be like, Hey, I'm doing crowd work. Don't mm, do crowd work. Yeah, like, don't, yeah. don't be the guy that does it. I want to save it for me. So I, I, I know that, um, I kind of have ways to do crowd work without doing it. Like I have ways to show that I'm there without being like, yeah, just as simple. It's, and so emceeing and hosting, I don't love to do most of the time now where I'm at now, it's, I am kind of showing up and doing spots, you know, I am kind of just on the lineup, but you know, everybody, I think hosting is a very important skill to learn. I think it's very good because, you know, when you're up there and you're the first guy up and everybody's settling into the spots and they're getting their drinks still yeah, and everybody's yep, kind of, yep. you need to, you need to have that ability to sit in there and be like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> like you have to be like you have to totally. go through the the pain of sitting there and being like there's so many people here but everybody's eating at, right now and drinking and not really paying attention and but you need to you need to understand that that's you need to be comfortable in uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations with comedies so you and, that, and that's why those that. that's why those crowd work clips get so many hits because that's course. the daredevil part of stand up is right. That's everybody's yeah. fears. What if this person, what if somebody in the crowd heckles you? What do you fucking do? Like yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, wants to course. see that, right? It's the daredevil part. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Dude, listen, um, I know we want to do an hour and yeah. um, I could talk to you for fucking a long time because I really enjoy the shit out of talking stand up and I haven't done it in years. So it's it's fun yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. but I don't want to hold up your whole afternoon. Let everybody know where they can find you, follow yes. you, stay on top yeah, yeah, of what yeah. you're doing. So uh, depending on when this comes out on the 5th of, uh, okay, so find me on social media at Josh Francis Comedy. I'm on uh, TikTok and Instagram. Um, you can follow my podcast, a uh, podcast that I co-host with two other very funny comics. Uh, that's Triple F Podcast, and that's on YouTube, uh, on all major streaming, uh, uh, on, like whatever platforms, whatever podcast thing you use, uh, it's going to be there. And then Instagram's Triple uh, F Podcast as well. And then as far as shows, uh, I'm going to be in Tempe, Arizona at the Improv on the 5th of October. Then uh, I'm going to be at the Dania Improv on the 8th of October. And then the 19th, I'm also at the Dania Improv. So come to one of those three if you're in the areas to Arizona uh, or Florida. Come to those, dude. They're going to be fun. Fucking great, dude. Um, to be continued, man. I, I'm so yeah, glad absolutely. we got to talk. I fucking love the shit out of this. Um, stay in touch. Let's Let's yeah, talk down the road. Man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Have a this good is one. a blast.
Yeah, thanks for having me. That was the savage wonder of Josh Francis. Uh, I really hope I get to talk to him again soon. Uh, You know, I know for real professionals, an hour would be more than enough to squeeze all the relevant and pertinent and interesting information out of somebody. But it it isn't for me. I, I like to really have a nice long chat. And uh yeah, I'm realizing that when I talk to comics, I uh <laughs> we can get in the weeds pretty quickly and go for a long time. So uh anyway, be fun to talk to him again and uh and see where he he's at in his career by then. Okay. So what's going on, Vet Rep? Uh a lot of stuff is happening. What can I tell you about? If you were in the greater Cornwall, New York area in the dangerously near future, stop on by Vet Rep's Parlor in Cornwall, New York. We have 39 steps uh, coming up this upcoming weekend, which is a bit of a departure for us. Obviously, we, we try to do comedies most of our Saturday, these Saturday night performances at the parlor. But this one's going to actually have uh, live sound effects. And that's probably going to be a uh, feature, not a bug going forward. So that's going to be really cool for people. And we're really excited about it. I hope you guys uh, come by and check it out. Um, you know, again, I don't really need to plug the parlor. We sell out every weekend. I'm not saying that's a huge accomplishment. We only have 16 seats because it is a parlor. But still, uh, I hope those of you that want to come by and check it out do because I think it's really freaking cool. You never get to see live sound effects with a live performance anymore. It's such a, uh, a dying, if not dead, art form. And to be able to do something old-timey and, and vaudevillian and, and you know variety show-esque like this is just really fun for me. I really love the shit out of it. So hopefully you guys come by and see it and uh, laugh along with everyone else that's bought tickets. And I got to say, tickets are going pretty quickly. So um, jump on that. I think a lot of people are really excited about the live sound effects. And it's a spoof on Hitchcock. And who doesn't love that? So it's got the thrills, it's got the laughs, it's got the sound effects. What more could you ask for? Okay, there's that. October 13th, if you are in the greater New York, New Jersey area, on October 13th, we have a live workshop reading, staged reading of a new play by Anton Sattler, who's been on this show before. Uh, His play, Local Gods, was one of our finalists. Uh, We're going to put it up as a staged reading uh, to get audience feedback and to get actor feedback and you know just have everybody listen to it. It's our chance to hear it out loud too. We uh, Anton has never heard the play out loud, top to bottom, uh, you know, done professionally, uh, and certainly I haven't and, and we haven't. So I'm really excited to put that on. Our friends at SUNY Rockland are letting us use the beautiful SUNY Rockland Cultural Arts Theater. Uh, so on the campus of SUNY Rockland, uh, very easy to access and um, just a gorgeous space. So really excited to be doing that down there. And it's free tickets. So you can go to vetrep.org, uh, go to our Now Playing tab. You can scroll down and scoop up some tickets. Uh, come by. We'll, you know, we'll have probably some drinks and food after. Um, we'll do a feedback session after the show. So People can chime in their thoughts, feelings, reactions, and all that. But I think it's going to be really fun. The cast is fucking phenomenal. I'm so excited for this cast to be reading uh, this show. It's going to be, uh, it's going to give us such a good look at the possibilities of this play. And um, 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun night out. And you guys will get, uh, you know, a sneak peek at one of the great new veteran authored plays that, uh, you know, may hit the stage sooner than later. So very cool stuff happening there. So October 13th, go to vetrep.org and the now playing tab to check that out. And you can go to vetrep.org for everything else related to vetrep. Um, yeah, I'm going to brain fart on all the lines of effort we have going on right now. Uh, so go to vetrep.org. You'll see everything that's there for public consumption. And um, yeah, that's vetrep.org, vetrep.org. And by all means, stay in touch with us there. Stay Sign up for the mailing list slash literary blog. Follow us on Instagram at vetreptheater. That's E-R, not R-E, because we're not European. And uh, yeah, be great. Be great to stay in touch uh, and let you know what's going on because we do have a ton of stuff coming up constantly. Oh, God, I got to do that. Okay, sorry. I said I wasn't going to plug anything else, but, you know, my brain's fried. And I'm forgetting that we, of course, have a very big event then. I talked about October 13th. About a month later, November 11th, Veterans Day, that night, 7 p.m. at Principal Gallery in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, is our very first Savage Wonderground immersive theater slash micro festival. I don't know what the right nomenclature is for it, but both of those kind of sum it up. I am so excited for this. Savage Wonderground is um, just a really exciting line of effort. Uh, so basically, it's a second order effect of the Savage Wonder Festival from this past Memorial Day weekend. We are gathering together this eclectic group of poets, writers, musicians, and painters, and putting together a very succinct, you know, hour, one to two hour uh, performance of immersive theater. So there's a narrative, there's an arc, there's a thematic through line, and um, it weaves into the actual space of principal, of the principal gallery uh, in Old Town Alexandria, which is essentially two townhouses right next to each other. So it's going to start in one room in one townhouse, and my and the show will migrate into a second room in the other townhouse, and then migrate right next door to the, the third room in that second townhouse. It's going to be very cool. Uh, we're going to have drinks and hors d'oeuvres there. Um, we're also going to charge. It's going to be about twenty bucks a ticket, if I remember right. Um, and that's because we're we're paying everybody, um, all of our our performers. Uh, so we're splitting the the cut evenly with them. Because that's what we do. You know, we want uh, our veteran artists to, uh, you know, we treat them as professionals and they need to be paid. And that's the right thing to do and the good thing to do. And hopefully it makes everybody in the veteran arts space aspirational to get paid and to do work that is worthy of strangers coming and paying money. So if you're in Old Town Alexander, this show's going to be badass. The way I'll give you a little inside peek since you, if you guys are still listening at this point. Uh, I love you and I'll fucking give you some inside information here. Um, so how we build this show is uh, very inductive. We, we really start with um, it's all based on first off what the physical space is. So based off the physical space, it's like, okay, what makes sense here? Um, we want to obviously have as many different media as possible, but it's like, okay, does, is music going to work best? Is spoken word going to work best? Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. In this case, um, you know, we figured out, hey, this is cool. We've got three really cool rooms 
and it's cool to kind of migrate from one room to the next. So then it was a matter of, okay, who are we going to book? Who's, who's around? Because everybody that we feature is local to the area. So we're going to have Jesus Daniel Hernandez, who many of you may remember from the Savage Wonder Festival or from this podcast earlier in the year, uh, Army veteran, Iraq War veteran, and world-class, I, I can't emphasize that enough, world-class classical singer, um, you know, Placido Domingo protege, uh, just an incredible life story and an incredible talent. He will be there singing uh dex or i'm sorry k dexter i'd ask her about that she's k dexter now she'll be there reading uh her work some of it will be i don't know yet if it's all going to be old material and by old i mean stuff she's already written um i think she's actually writing new stuff for this um buck bolliard william bolliard again these are all people that have been on the show um He'll be there uh, reading. I believe it's going to be new material. And what are he, K. Dexter, and Jesus doing? They are all going to be interpreting three different paintings by Invader Girl, who was on the show earlier this year, I think January. And uh, she's going to have three paintings, one in each room. And they're going to talk biographically about if this was them. And, and there's going to be a through line that goes through it. It's going to be fucking badass. It's going to be so freaking cool. I'm so excited for it. Um, obviously, Principal Gallery is a world-class um, art gallery. So it will be as frou-frou as we can get it while staying true to our veteran roots. So we'll have a good mix of drinks, good mix of you know, good grazing table for everybody to nosh at, and, um, and then this show, which should be really cool, um, really dynamic interesting immersive theater experiential performance art uh that i think you guys are going to really enjoy the shit out of so um if you're in the greater uh north virginia dc southern maryland area um or even further away come on out come on out um you know we'll have tickets i'm saying all this stuff and i don't even have tickets available i can't remember maybe the tickets will be live by the time this episode airs anyway if not keep following us trust me we will be plugging the shit out of it and there will, if we don't have links already live, they will be live in the dangerously near future. Um, you can find out all that by subscribing to our literary blog. We'll certainly be pushing it there. You can look out at vetrep.org at the now playing tab. Scroll down. You will see links to uh, book your tickets for Savage Wonderground there. And I believe we may have them one other place, but I'm not sure if we're going to put them also on the Savage Wonder website. But if we do, that'll be savagewonder.com, and you'll be able to buy tickets there. So very cool stuff coming up. Keep your eyes peeled for it, or get tickets now. The links may be live right now, so um, you know, consider getting those. Okay, guys, uh, that's all I got. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Mike Neal, for uh, getting this episode out. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time, and we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.